The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 27th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Three losses now, and during the bye week, Marcus Freeman has some thinking to do. First subject, Jared Parker. Let's admit it, this offense is a mess. Jared Parker brought a grand total of about a half season's experience calling the plays to the offensive coordinator position. That said, early indications were good. Through four years, the Irish were averaging 46 points per game. Then Ohio State happened, and the offensive production has plummeted. Defenses, it seems, have caught up with Parker. Marcus Freeman, you need to think about your offensive coordinator. Next subject, Chancey Stuckey. The ND wide receiver position has turned into a disaster. The freshmen haven't gotten any better. And how do you explain Tobias Merriweather? Loaded with talent, but now in his second season, his efforts on the field are inconsistent and at times reflect indifference. Chris Tyree has become a reliable target out of the slot, but hasn't been a volume guy. By all accounts, Stuckey has been a terrific recruiter. But he came to ND with exactly one year of experience as a wide receivers coach and three years total in coaching. Marcus Freeman, you need to think about your wide receiver coach. Three, Al Golden. There's a problem on the horizon, and it's Al Golden. ND's defense has statistically been outstanding this year. They're top 11 nationally in seven key statistical categories. They played very well last week for the most part, At Clemson, that's good, but that's bad. Golden has done such a good job with the Irish defense that he is the staff member most likely to move up to a head coaching job or maybe back to the NFL. Marcus Freeman, you need to think about what you can do to keep Al Golden in the fold. Fourth topic, quarterback. Is it time to start developing the position with an eye towards next season? Sam Hartman has been really good at times, but not so good of late. The Sam Hartman era has three, maybe two games left. That's a guarantee. When planning out his quarterback room, Freeman has to consider the promising Steve Angeli, freshman Kenny Minchie, and the potential of future talent coming in four-star prospect C.J. Carr. After that, Freeman will have to decide if Notre Dame is going to bring in their third transfer in four years. If ND goes the transfer route, it is likely to hasten the exit of Angeli and possibly Minchie. Marcus Freeman, you need to think about the future of your quarterback room. Fifth topic, roller coasters and road issues. The boom and bust cycle under Freeman continues. The Irish play one or two or, or maybe three good games, followed by a bust, and now they're playing poorly on the road. Freeman has not mastered the coaching skill of setting his team's emotional thermostat. In the past on such issues, he has sought the counsel of his old head coach from his playing days, Jim Tressel. Marcus Freeman, this roller coaster ride and road problems are a troubling trend. Maybe you need to think about making a call to your mentor, Jim Tressel, for some advice. Assistant coaches, quarterback issues, and the roller coaster performance of this team. During the bye week, Marcus Freeman has a lot to think about. 
Guadalupe's Mexican Grill now with locations on Illinois, Leo, and DuPont Roads, and in Georgetown Square. Guadalupe's food made fresh. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling, 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's the next generation of light beer. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Tim Priester, you frequently, uh, and I've known you a long time, you have a sense before games sometimes about just what's about to happen. So what were you sensing pregame last week on that <laughs> foggy morning in South Carolina? I wish I had I wish I had a better sense, Phil, when it was time for me to make my pregame uh, prediction prior to that, but... Yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't a good setup for Notre Dame in their 31-23 loss at Clemson last weekend. You had a, a wounded animal like uh, like Clemson. And when you're as successful as that program is, they're not going to wither away. They're just going to fight a little bit harder. And I thought that they came in with with great determination while Notre Dame took a, a, a an approach offensively that I'm sure we're going to talk about this and, and that's a little bit perplexing. But you know, they attacked it. I didn't think Notre Dame attacked it offensively. Uh, some things went against Notre Dame in that first quarter, and they were never able to uh, to survive it. But, I mean, e- e- even though Clemson was an incredible amount of injuries going into the game where you think, well, certainly Notre Dame's going to be the better team today, that wasn't the case. And that's because Clemson is a – they're not just a winning program. They're a championship program. They won't win, be winning any championships this year, but – they're so accustomed to that kind of success that, yeah, Phil, the day of the game, it was like, man, I just don't like this situation for Notre Dame. Yeah, and, you know, my thoughts were this, were similar, and that is uh, the boom-bust cycle that, that has been Marcus Freeman's era, and we're going to talk more about that in the next question, but I just said, you know, if that cycle continues, the Irish are likely to bust today against a really good program, and, well, that's what happened. Okay, Tim, let's talk about uh, the game in my and and I'm going to take this uh, systematically in my opening commentary today, which you haven't heard yet. But I talked about five things I believe Marcus Freeman needs to be thinking about this bye week. 
Uh, I didn't tell him what to think, by the way. I just said, these are things we need to be thinking about. So I want to go down these things uh, one at a time and, and hear what you think about each of them. First is, uh, the first and the first three all relate to assistant coaches, not surprisingly. Let's start off with the big one. That's Jared Parker. Tim, the offense is a bit of a mess right now. Maybe I'm being charitable when I say that. So is Jared Parker the guy? Is Marcus Freeman thinking about changes? I have a feeling he is. I, you know, I can't sit here and pinpoint exactly what Marcus Freeman is thinking, Phil, but I do the, the phrase that I've used a couple times, both uh, verbally and in print is, uh, is, is Marcus Freeman going to hitch his wagon and his, and, and stake his head coaching career on Jared Parker? I don't think that that's, I don't think that's a really wise thing to do. I, I, I you know, I think we all like and respect Jared Parker, but um, Notre Dame's offense with Sam Hartman as a quarterback is playing their worst football against the best defenses. Now, that's generally the case, and that's why those teams have great defenses. But you cannot pin your head coaching career on an assistant coach that I, I, did, I didn't understand the game plan last year I, or last week. I thought I thought Notre I thought Marcus Freeman wanted to play an attacking aggressive style of football in order to win big games, and that's not what Notre Dame did offensively. So I think it's pretty hard for. Marcus Freeman to keep his wagon, uh, you know, still attached to to Jared Parker, the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I suspect that's the case. I think Gino Gadouli probably more involved in in this for the next three games at least, and then off season we, I think we may see a change. And as that game progressed last week, I kept thinking to myself, you know, and this will be controversial with some in our audience, trust me, and you know it. Tommy Reese always had an answer. It wasn't always the correct answer, but he had an answer. And uh, I didn't see any change in strategy when things were not working over and over again. As it relates to Tommy Reese, I don't really care what other people think. He is a he's an excellent football mind, an excellent offensive mind. He has a whole bunch uh, of offense in his game plan. And I think Notre Dame would have been much more successful with him as the quarterback, what they were able to do with Drew Pine at times last year at quarterback was 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 pretty remarkable, really. At times, when you consider like the Clemson game, although he didn't do much uh, throwing the football, Tommy Reese is a quality offensive coordinator. Whether people want to realize that or not, which is why he's at Alabama with the greatest head coach in the history of the game. Yeah, well, you've been consistent in in what you just said, and as have I, and. Just a lot of people just don't want to hear it for some reason. Okay, next up for our job review, let's talk about Chancey Stuckey. And I don't hear a lot of talk about Chancey Stuckey, but Tim, this wide receivers room really hasn't developed the way I, I thought it should or could. Thoughts about Chancey Stuckey? What do you think? Well, he's a, he's a great recruiter, and I, and I have watched him coach. I've stood on the sideline and watched him coach, and I've been doing that for 42 years, and I – I've always been impressed with the way he instructs wide receivers. Now, he's been hamstrung, certainly, by injuries. Uh, Deion Colsey, Jaden Thomas, you can't take – you couldn't take Jaden Thomas out of the equation this year and expect to be as, as good as you hoped a wide receiver. He was the leader of the group, and his hamstring injuries have sabotaged him uh, his season. Jaden Greathouse missed a lot of time with with hamstring uh, a hamstring injury, but – Having said that, and I don't even know if this is fair, Tobias Merriweather, that, that's not Chancey Stuckey's problem, his lack of development. That's a Tobias Merriweather thing. 
Deion Colsey's lack of development is not a Stucky thing. It is a Deion Colsey thing. So there's a couple receivers there that just haven't developed, don't know that they're going to, de- in almost regardless of what coach uh, instructs them. Chris Tyrese come around, but I think, again, I think that's more of a Chris Tyree maturity uh, adapting to a new position. But Stucky hasn't done a very good job. I, I don't know how you can... I, I don't know how you can look at any other way. The injuries certainly haven't helped, but he's an inexperienced wide receiver, uh, wide receiver coach, and I think that showed as well. Yeah, came in with only one year as a wide receiver coach, three years total in coaching. Of course, he came out of the NFL. But as you said, the first thing you said, a reputation as a really good recruiter, and that, of course, is really important. Let's move on. I would, to, go Phil. Ahead. Let me just say, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. I'm, you know, I, I'm saying something different about Jared Parker than I am Chancey Stuckey, but I think Chancey Stuckey needs to be a lot better at at uh, getting the most out of his wide receivers. Okay, fair. Uh, and let's move on to another assistant coach, and that's Al Golden, and. This is not negative, <laughs> not at all. Produced an excellent defense, and that you know, even last week there there were some shortcomings, but that's to be expected against a good team. They gave Notre Dame an opportunity to win the game last week. They played well. So, how does Marcus Freeman keep him in the fold? Is, is there a chance he can keep him in the fold? Yeah, he he can definitely keep him in the fold. And I think I mean I just think a lot of it has to do with what offers are out there for L. Golden. Is there a defensive coordinator's job for him in the NFL if there is I think he'll leave if there's a uh, a head coaching job in 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 college football it would have to be power five probably something out east he's a New Jersey um, he's from New Jersey originally if there's a head coaching job out there that's attractive then he he may go that route but I mean otherwise I think Notre Dame has a decent chance of of keeping him if uh, he has it coach so well that uh, that he's going to get the type of offer that he would like in order to run his own program or run his own NFL defense. Well, well, I'm really glad to hear you say that because it just hadn't felt good to me at all. But if you think there's a chance he's going to come back, uh, that makes me feel better. And that's good. Okay, number four on things that I think Marcus Freeman ought to be thinking about, and I'm, I have a feeling he is. Let's talk about the quarterback room. Does Notre Dame bring in a transfer for 2024? And if they do, doesn't that mean we will never find out if Steve Angeli is any good? Because if they bring in a transfer in, he's going to transfer out almost for certain. What do you think? Irish Illustrated believes that uh, Marcus Freeman will attempt to sign a, a graduate transfer quarterback, somebody from the transfer portal. I think after next year, then you start relying upon the Kenny Minchies and the, and the CJ Cars uh, in your program. Does it mean that we don't ever get a chance to see Steve Angeli as a starting quarterback? I think there's a, I think there's a very good chance that that's exactly what's going to happen. He's been impressive. Uh, the little that we've seen of him this year, I think he's improved. But I think that Notre Dame's attitude is go out and find. Um, a, a transfer quarterback, uh, maybe with their eye on on one or two specific guys, and then after that, then you start relying on the quality recruiting that you have have been able to uh, uh, to do uh, at the quarterback position. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Steve Angeli, though, I mean, I've liked what I've seen. Just like you said, he's sixteen of twenty one on the season, two thirty six uh, yards and three touchdowns. 
mop up duty, granted, and that that does make a difference. But uh, I I just have a feeling that uh, if we see how good Steve Angeli is going to be, it's probably going to be with another team. Uh, and the fifth thing, and that is his inability to keep his team's thermostat regulated. And what I mean by that, Notre Dame plays a couple of games well, and then they fall flat. After 25 games, there seems to have been a pretty clear pattern. It, Tim, you you have coaching experience. It, this is an emotional thing. What, what can you do to try and affect that uh, the emotion level of your team so they don't come out and play flat after experiencing success? Well, it's tough for me to say specifically, Phil, because I don't know exactly how he coaches them uh, amidst prosperity. I always use that term, you know, winning and playing well when, when you're being prosperous. And that's where Notre Dame was last week coming out of USC and Pittsburgh. And again, as you say, we've, we've seen this in the past. I don't know. Like it, it's hard for me to say, specifically what he needs to do on the practice field, but obviously following success, he is not keeping them locked into the the next opponent. Now, look, going to Clemson under any circumstances, that can be very difficult, uh, but they weren't. I, they, did they look – I didn't think Notre Dame looked ready to play at a high level next last week. And the biggest problem was that so many of those guys were upperclassmen. And that's that's really a bad sign when your best players and your upperclassmen kind of collectively have a letdown in a big game. I don't have the answer to it, Phil, but I think that you've pinpointed absolutely a problem. Uh, we saw it last year when Norting was coming out of big wins over um, uh, over beat uh, when you were coming off of North Carolina and BYU, and right. then they. They laid an egg against Stanford at home. So it's clearly a problem. It's something that he is going to have to address with his coaching staff heading into the year number three. Well, in the past when he's had these sorts of issues, we know that he's, he's, he's told, told us, he's told the media, he calls his mentor, Jim Tressel, or one of his mentors, and that might be a good idea. Tressel seemed to have that talent in him. Uh, or heck, call Lou Holtz <laughs> or, or call your mom and dad, but get some advice. I have a feeling that uh, Marcus Freeman is thinking about this issue, trying to figure out how he can get better. Uh, so, Tim, the New Year's Six dream is dead. Uh, so what does the bowl game calculus for the Irish look like now? Or to put it another way, is Brian Kelly back on Notre Dame's radar? Yeah, definitely. Brian Kelly's back on the radar. They lost to Alabama last week, so there's a good chance that both Notre Dame and LSU finish nine and three. And if that's the case, I think there's an excellent chance that they meet uh, on January one in Tampa in the ReliaQuest Bowl. That's the old Outback Bowl. Uh, I expect Notre Dame to finish nine and three. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure who's on the radar there for LSU, but I think that could happen. Um, it, it, you also could have a, the pop tarts bowl, which everybody laughs at, but I don't know after all these years, why, after all these years, <laughs> why we laugh, there are different sponsors for the bowl games and pop tarts is one of them. It's, it's a legitimate bowl. It's in Orlando. Nordings played there before they've played on December 28th. I'm not sure who they would play if it fell to that, but that's, that's a ther- scenario right now. And obviously any talk of a New Year's Six Bowl is out. Well, I like Pop-Tarts, and uh, I would also uh, like to go back to Florida, but, boy, that game, it, the ReliQuest Bowl, if it's against Brian Kelly, that one, from a media standpoint, from every standpoint, is going to be a spicy one. Uh, 
Tim, let's let's and and last one of the segment. Let's let's do a little IrishIllustrated.com. How to watch football one hundred and one. How do you watch a football play? What do you focus on? Most fans just watch the ball, but you see a lot more than that because it's amazing to me how much you can take out of watching a play. So, what do you usually focus on when you're watching a football game? Well, when I'm going through the game, the television version, it takes me about four and a half, five hours, Phil. So I don't see it all the first time. But, you know, a lot of football people will say pre-snap, they want to look, they're going to look at the secondary and then work their way in. My eyes aren't trained like that. Uh, My eyes are trained to start at the line of scrimmage and work my way out from there, uh, depending upon the pass rush and and stuff like that. Nobody can see. I mean, I, I would imagine you know, longtime football coaches can see a whole heck of a lot more than than us amateurs. But I start at the line of scrimmage. I want to see off the snap of the football, d- does one side or the other win that snap? If you see push one way or the other, you got a pretty good idea. And then you try to branch out and see what's happening downfield. But it's hard. 22 guys running around, usually on TV without, a, a, you know, a great view of everything that you want to see, even in person. That's uh, really, really difficult. Well, Tim, you are far from an amateur. You are America's foremost authority, and uh, you always come up with some amazing analysis. Check it all out at irishillustrated.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 392nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Shearer McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Shearer McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sheer McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sheer McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Sam Hartman wears the uniform number 10 as a tribute to his late half-brother, Dimitri Allison, who had worn the number while playing at Elon University. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass. Raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling & Son Incorporated. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. 
Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 21st ranked Irish are on a bye this week. They next play on November 18th in South Bend against Wake Forest. TV coverage on NBC will start at 3.30 p.m. South Bend time on that day. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, Vanderbilt, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. This season, we're focusing on the best defensive players of the last 20 years. So far this season, we've talked about Harrison Smith, Manti Teo, Jalen Smith, Drew Tranquil, Aloe Gilman, Tavon Coney, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Kyle Hamilton, and this week, Isaiah Foskey. A 6'5", 265-pound mountain with speed and agility, Isaiah Foskey came to Notre Dame in 2019 out of powerhouse D. LaSalle High School in California. He went on to a record-setting career in South Bend. Foskey only saw action in three games as a freshman, but then showed signs of good things to come during his sophomore year as the Irish ran to an undefeated regular season. Playing in all 12 games, he notched five quarterback hurries, four and a half sacks, and against Pittsburgh that year, he blocked a punt and then scooped it and scored. By his junior year, he was garnering attention on the national scene and went on to more than earn that national attention. He made big plays week after week, six forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 12 and a half tackles for loss, 17 quarterback hurries, and 11 sacks, the third most ever in a Notre Dame season. Foskey's season was so good that it looked like he was likely to head for the NFL early, but he made the decision to come back for Marcus Freeman's first full season to improve his draft standing and to make a run at the Notre Dame career sack record held by Justin Tuck at 24 and a half. So a lot was riding on his senior season. He was elected as a team captain, and in the sack department, he started the season a bit slow. Through six games, he had notched just three sacks and needed a strong second half of the season to get to the record. His breakout started against UNLV, and that game he became the first Notre Dame player ever to block two punts in a game, and he also notched three sacks. The next two games, he moved within a half a sack of the record with two and a half more. Justin Tuck's record then went down against Boston College with a sack late in the second quarter, fittingly on senior day. Foskey extended the career record to 26 and a half with another one and a half in the regular season finale at USC. For his record-setting senior season, Isaiah Foskey earned consensus first-team All-American recognition. Tim Sachs, quarterback hurries, forced fumbles, blocked punts. The first word that comes to mind when I think of Isaiah Foskey is disruptive. He was from the very beginning, Phil. As you know, he was blocking punts early on, and then he you know, then he developed as a passer. He was pass rushing early on, too, but he really developed his game later on. Good leader, uh, popular amongst his teammates, a captain, uh, popular with the media. It was a guy that was always uh, very engaging as well. I don't know that he ever fu- fully reached his potential in Notre Dame as a, as a run defender, but a second round draft pick. And I, you know, I think everybody around the Notre Dame football program was thrilled for him because he was such a, such a great kid and a great representative of the Notre Dame football program. Uh, indeed. I, I and mean, Isaiah Foskey was drafted, as you said, in the second round by the New Orleans Saints. 
uh, of the 2023 draft, 40th overall. Isaiah Foskey, another Marina Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage early line on Wake Forest. Wake is four and five. This week they will play NC State. They have faced three ND opponents and they are one and two in those games, each decided by less than a score. On October 7th, they fell at Clemson 17 to 12. Two weeks later, they defeated Pitt 21 to 17. And in their last game played on November 2nd, they lost at Duke 24 to 21. Replacing Sam Hartman this year is sophomore Mitch Griffiths, 60% passer, and he's thrown for nine TDs and seven INTs. Wake's defense is not quite Clemson caliber, but they have a couple of sack guys uh, in on that team. Defensive end Jasheen Davis has six and a half, and leading tackler linebacker Jacob Roberts has five. Tim, Dave Clawson has been at Wake for 10 seasons, and he has taken the Demon Deacons to bowl games for seven seasons in a row. He just seems to always have his team well-prepared. So what is the Aspen Mortgage early line on Wake Forest? Well, a ton of respect for Dave Clawson because he's done great things at Wake Forest, which, is we, as we all know, is very difficult to do. Yes, he lost his quarterback in Sam Hartman. Mitch Griffiths has done a decent job for them, but his Touchdown interception ratio is nine to seven. He's been banged up a little bit. They're only averaging 22 points per game and rushing for 0.4. I like their running. I, uh, their running back, Demond Claiborne, I think is a really quality football player, only averaging 4.4 a carry with five touchdowns, but, but he's good. You know, we, we talked in the off season about how Wake Forest receivers were better than Notre Dame's. And we had some pushback from our readers, but there is just absolutely no doubt that their receivers are better than Notre Dame's. And that is without Donovan Green, one of their best, maybe the best that was injured during the preseason. So they're dangerous. They'll come into Notre Dame and play well. I know they did that in 2017 when Mike Elko had things going on for, for Notre Dame and they, they gave Notre Dame a bit of a run that day. Always have to be aware of Dave Clawson's teams. They're well coached. They're not as talented as Notre Dame, but they find ways to stay in games against quality competition, just like they did against Clemson earlier this year. And there you go. And that is Tim Priester's early line on Wake Forest. And Tim, for this week's key player, I'm going to sign you someone to talk about. So I guess I'm naming the key player. Tim, uh, nine tackles. He played a tremendous game against Clemson. Fifth-year senior, Jack Kaiser. Talk about Jack Kaiser. Well, you can't, uh, you know, again, you talk about people that have earned the respect of others around Notre Dame and Jack Kaiser's at the top of the list. He was a guy that Clark Lee loved. I saw his high school film and it was very impressive. But my comment at the time was, can't you find somebody from a bigger school that's accustomed to playing against better competition because he was a single A football player from from Indiana. But ton of respect for Jack Kaiser. Great nose for the football he doesn't get nearly as many snaps as other defenders. He's He was a couple hundred snaps behind J.D. Bertrand, and we all have great respect for J.D. Bertrand, and, and they were virtually neck and neck last year in, in tackles made, and Kaiser's there again. He's number three on the team, two behind Howard Cross, and just nine behind J.D. Bertrand. Jack Kaiser is an ex- bright, uh, extremely sharp football player, that you just kind of wish could play a little bit more than he does, 
because he's earned more snaps at Notre Dame. Yeah, Jack Kaiser, as you said, from uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town he's from in northern Indiana, but it's a one-horse town, as they say, a 1A school. And uh, so he wasn't heralded when he came in, but uh, Clark Lee loved him, and he was right. Linebacker Jack Kaiser, he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Uh Tim, how are the Irish health-wise during the bye week? And we saw a few injuries last Saturday at the center position. Yeah, that's going to be the tricky one. I, I, I can't honestly tell you where they are with with the the, uh, the injury, the concussion. We believe it was suffered by Zeke Corral. You know, that he no sooner left the game. And I, I saw the, the TV broadcast. They were talking about Andrew uh, Andrew Kristoffic replacing him. And before you knew it, he was injured as well. And they turned to Ashton Craig. At that point, Ashton Craig, their name was pretty much in pass mode every down, and it was pretty much pass protection for Ashton Craig. And I thought he did a pretty good job. But it appeared that, you know, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison came through the game. Okay, they were, there were concerns about them, um, uh, you know, go, leading, coming out of the Pittsburgh game and, and leading into the Clemson game. I think they're fine. Tight end situation, no more tight ends have been injured that I'm uh, – that I'm aware of uh, that the loss of Mitchell Evans obviously hurt and, and Holden stays as the lead tight end uh, didn't, didn't play very well. So we'll see. I feel I, I, you know, I can't tell you exactly uh, how they came out of the weekend, but that extra week of, of time off and recovery and preparation certainly will help them heading into the, the, finale against Wake Forest. Yeah, and there was no access to uh, to Marcus Freeman this week with the bye week. Uh, we'll find out more about injuries on Monday. Uh, thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance? You need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, for this week's segment, since we don't have a game to predict, we're going to go over the the CFP top six as they were announced uh, last Tuesday. And then once we give a little discussion on those teams, I'm going to ask you to predict who's going to win it all in college football this year. Uh, We'll start at number six and move up. First team is Oregon. They are eight and one. Currently number six in the CFP. I, I like this Oregon team, and and you know I, even their head coach admitted that he didn't handle the end game against Washington very well. But I think I think Oregon is a better football team than than Washington. I think their defense is better than Washington's. That's the separator for me. I really like that team. Uh, in fact, I'm going to pick Oregon as one of the final four uh, when all is said and done. All right. Well, there you go. Because uh, number five is Washington. So you've kind of already talked about them. They would have a rematch uh, if things go to form with Oregon in that conference championship. Right. But they're number five. What do you? What else do you have to say about Washington? Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the Washington team. Michael Penix Jr. has been tremendous. Um, I, I, you know, I mean that that is a really really quality football team that kind of. Kind of has great success in anonymity. Actually, Phil, I'm going to jump up to number. I, I'm going to cheat here a little bit because it's too early for me to pick a final four, but I can pick a final five. 
And one of those five for me is Texas, which is currently rated number seven. Uh, they had the, the the upset loss to Oklahoma. They probably should have won that game. I think they're going to win out. And so two of my five, Phil, as we move forward here, are Oregon and Texas. Okay, Oregon and Texas in that group. Um, comments on currently number four, Florida State. Uh, the Irish probably dodged a bit of a bullet by not having them on their ACC schedule this year. Yeah, I really like this football team, uh, what they've done on Norvell here this this past year, the way they've ris- risen up. And Jordan Travis, their quarterback, has just has gotten better and better. I really like that football team. I know being in the ACC has been beneficial to them because it is not a great conference. They have to finish at Florida, which, of course, can be dangerous because of the huge rivalry. But I think Florida State wins that game. Florida State wins the ACC championship, and they join Oregon and Texas among my five candidates to finish among the final four. Yeah, they really haven't been in a lot of stress this year, Florida State, but they do uh, play Louisville, and Louisville's a good team, as we know, and good chance that they would play Louisville again in the ACC championship coming up. Uh, Next up, Tim, Michigan, and they haven't played much of a schedule, but I still say they're really good. They are really good, and, and I just want to comment on Louisville. I, I, I think all the gnashing of teeth by Notre Dame fans about Notre Dame losing to a lesser Louisville team, that's a really good football team, and Notre Dame lost to a really good one. Jumping to Michigan, separating all the the the, uh, the national attention and the, the national disdain that I think a lot of college football ha- fans have toward Michigan, I realize that they haven't played anybody. They could have been more ambitious with their non-conference schedule, but why should they be since the college football playoff includes them in the top three regardless of their schedule? They do have to travel to Penn State this weekend. I don't think Penn State is good enough to beat uh, Michigan. I think Michigan will beat Ohio State to end the regular season. Then they play somebody from the other division whom they will beat. I have Michigan as one of my final five with Florida State, Oregon, and Texas, as well as Georgia. The last, the <laughs> last team that you're going to mention, Phil. Well, you were going to mention Ohio State, but I have Michigan beating them uh, and eliminating them. So Georgia, I, you know, Georgia has had a lot of I, I, Georgia's had a lot of close calls, and people are like, "Well, how could how could Georgia, you know, uh, uh, allow a team to stay that close?" Well. You've won back-to-back national titles. Your team has gone through transition with personnel each year, especially a quarterback this year, so it's difficult. They do have to travel to Tennessee in a couple weeks, and they host Mississippi, which won't be easy. But I think they will survive, and my final four will come out of the five of Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon, and Texas. Okay, well, we still have one prediction to make, though. And, Tim, who is the world-famous Irish Illustrator prediction for this year's national champion out of that group. I think it'll be Michigan. I think when I think when Michigan uh, matches up against these teams and weathers the storm. Now, look, who knows where they are mentally now with everything that that program and that school is going through. So, uh, you know, they're going to going to have to be really, really mentally tough, including going to Maryland in between Penn State and Ohio State. But I think they are that good. And right now, 
right now, I would say that 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 they're the team that's going to win the national title, which will be a real interesting uh, scenario considering everything that they are going through. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh rides off into the sunset. (laughs) Thanks, Tim. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.